Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 101 of the Bears and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. Did you almost say you're Michael? No, I almost said oh. I am Rick. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you didn't do that. that yeah, that would have been really weird. It's been a minute since we did the, since we had it's to true. do that. Did, did we ever tell the story about why we did that? I mean, I know the voice changers and all, but like... We talked a little bit about that. I don't think we ever told the story of why we chose those names. We didn't. Because we didn't do it. When we were on the Recovering Fundamentalist a couple of weeks ago, we did not talk about it then. Right. Um, I wonder if those guys know. I don't know. They might. I don't know. They, like, they like might if they know, know who. If they know who the guy is, yeah. Yeah, they might know who the guy is. So, so there is a story behind it, and I think Michael should tell the story. I don't know why you think I should tell the story. <laughs> because it's fun when you tell it. Okay, so um, when we started the, when we started the whole podcast, we were trying to think like, okay, what pseudonyms do we need, need to come up with? We kicked a couple of ones around. But kind of where it all started, where the whole idea of the podcast started, or not the whole idea of the podcast, but it, maybe this was what fanned the flame. I don't know. Um, but there is a, I hesitate to say sermon, yeah, I wouldn't call it a sermon. It was a talk. Uh, like a like a what's a knockoff TED talk? Like a Fred talk? <laughs> yes, it was a Fred talk. <laughs> so so this guy um this guy is speaking at South Western, Western Baptist, Baptist Theological, Theological Seminary. Seminary. Um and his name is Rick Patrick. And um it initially started as a Fred talk on um, <laughs> all his personal issues with Calvinism, basically, and it morphed into all the reasons why certain things like the consumption of alcohol, um, enjoyment of uh, pipe tobacco and cigars and that yes. kind of thing, why all that is sinful. Because um, Calvinists do it. That's why, for yeah. the record. <laughs> Calvin, Calvinists also have beards and wear flannel, so let's just... Let's. Anyway, um, that's for that's for you, Nathan. Um, I don't have my flannel on tonight, but no. So, um, <laughs> so that is why we chose the names Rick and Patrick. Yes, because they were two first names. They, yes, it was two first names, and he has two first names, and we thought it was funny. That I every really week hope he we does were slightly. Yes, we were <laughs> we were slightly underhandedly. <laughs> Jabbing at him. I really hope we don't get like an email from his lawyer saying, "Hey, y'all need to cut that out." You need to cut your. I'm going to sue you for libel, kind of like Mike Stone's doing to Russell Moore. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you had to explain We're, to me why that was such a big deal. I had no idea. 
we're so we're not talking about why Mike Stone is suing Russell Moore, but let's just say that we're not on the side of Mike Stone. Well, I'm not on the side of Mike Stone. <laughs> I think I think what he's doing is ridiculous, but um, but we're not going to talk about that tonight. We're going to drink a little bit of beer. We're going to talk about the Bible, but before we get into that, Michael, how's your week been, man? Dude, my week has been crazy, mainly because um, the Braves are playing baseball games until the wee hours of the morning, <laughs> pretty much every night. When they're um, playing in L.A. and they don't start till like 6 o'clock in L.A., that's definitely yeah. like midnight in L.A. Yeah, they start, they, the last, this is the third night in a row they've been in Los Angeles, and they've started each, well, they started the first game at like 5 o'clock. In the afternoon, mm-hmm. I was like, "This is perfect. I can watch the whole game and then go to bed at a reasonable hour." Uh, but the last two nights, they have started at eight o'clock. They're actually playing mm-hmm. right now, so yes. I'm having to show restraint and not have it on while we record tonight. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but you know, other than that, everything's good. Family's good. Work's good. Um, we're getting into that time of year that work kind of slows down, and mm-hmm. um, we're able to take care of some other other things that we need to get done. So nice. Um, Anthony, how about you, man? How's it going? Man, it's been a it's been a good week. It's been one of those kind of like mediocre weeks where you feel like you're getting something done, so you kind of feel like it's a good good productive week. Um, been able to get caught up on a few things this week, um, just because of our work uh, work situation. We kind of slow down, but it, it's funny because because of the growth of our business, the slowdown is still busier than it was a year ago. Right. Um, because y'all so are still so much, yeah. Yeah, we have grown a lot, and and the, in fact, um, just this week, our our company. So for all of 2020, um, we we have beat all the sales of 2020 this week, and we still have all of November, all of December left, and and uh, like another week or so. Okay, in, in back October. back up. So you have beat for 2021. Yes. All the sales in, that you had for t- all of 2020. All of 2020. Because the way you initially worded it sounded like just this week you beat all your sales for 2020. In just oh. this week. It's kind of, oh, no, I, no, when no. you said that, I was like, <laughs> how do you have time to record a podcast? <laughs> no, no, I was no, very no. confused. So, yeah, no. that's awesome. That's, that's yeah, really. We surpassed our year 2020 today in, root, you know, 2021. Your year so. to date, 2021 has surpassed your full year for 2020. Yes, that's right. So that just, uh, that's good for us. It's good for our company. It's good for the people who work for our company. And, and we love being able to, to provide that. So that's awesome. It's uh, good. A lot of things, a lot of reasons to celebrate. God has blessed us as a business and we, we pray for his continued blessings. Um, but tonight we're not here to talk about business. We're here to talk about the Bible and we're here to drink a little bit of beer. Let's do it. What beer do you have for tonight, Michael? So tonight I have from a new brewery to the podcast, the Wicked Weed Brewing Company, and they are based in Jacksonville, Florida, I think. Asheville, North Carolina. Just kidding. Asheville, North Carolina. (laughs) Is what my can says. Does your can say? (laughs) Never mind. Um, No. It's a... No. So a friend of the podcast recommended one of these and they picked it up when they were in Orlando. Okay. And I thought I saw that it was from Jacksonville, Florida, but then I remember uh, looking it up and that it was from Not, North Carolina. So yeah, it's in Asheville, anyway. North Carolina. So I've got the Wicked Weed Brewing Company. I have the Appalachia Session IPA, um, and it is a 4.7 ABV. IBUs are... Uh, not on the website anywhere. That's cool. Not on the website. Um, but the website says that it is an easy-drinking IPA. 
huge hop flavor and aroma, um, low bitterness and low ABV. So there you go. Um, also, the uh, a portion of proceeds from this IPA benefit the Southern Appalachian Highlands Conservancy, which protects mount- the mountains and water of North Carolina. So there you go. That's cool. Um, the can's really cool, kind of psychedelic looking. The font kind of looks like. Uh, the old like arcade pac-man games nice um and uh i'm excited about this again coming around on the ipas a little bit but this one being a low ibu one um this may be something that not that's not just for me so remember you can't give it more than four four luthers we've already broken the rules twice and we can't do it again. i don't anticipate doing it again (laughs) but we'll see so what about you You what are you drinking so from Wicked Weed, I also have a Wicked Weed tonight, and mine is called Fresh Pressed. And is that, is that from is, Jacksonville or it's this one's not from Jacksonville. <laughs> this one's also from Asheville. Um, in in a great twist of irony, is this one's also from Asheville. Um, but it is a wheat ale flavored with mango, pineapple, and guava. Ooh, that's fancy. So, so this one, uh, this is the one that was actually recommended uh, to me by a listener and they said they sent me a picture of it and they're like hey you need to try this it's really good and i was like sweet if i can find it then i will and i went to so i found another store near my house Mm -hmm. they don't have a huge selection but they have a pretty diverse selection so i was uh, i may go back by there to try to find some other stuff but um that's where i found this one and i saw it and i was like hey i told them i would do that if i could find it so here we are with the fresh pressed from wicked weed brewing that's cool i think we should uh crack open a beer and Get going to town. Let's roll, man. Awesome. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Mm, I missed that sound last week. I was literally about to say, (laughs) having listened to episode 100 earlier today, which will come out tomorrow. That's um, right. I'm going to pour it up. Dude, this thing is uber clear and pale. The smell is a little different. That must be a thing for Wicked Weed because mine is also pretty. Oh, yeah. We almost got They're almost the same color. So I think Wicked Weed is the company that brews the um, Atlanta United has an IPA that they sell um, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium called Five Stripes. Yeah. Um, let me see real quick. I believe that is it. While you're looking that up, I, did, I realized I didn't tell a whole lot about mine. Uh, Fresh Press, I told you what the flavors, but uh, Wicked Wheat actually says it is a medium-bodied wheat ale that is hazy, straw-colored in nature. It is beautifully balanced with juicy, tropical, and fruit flavors, brewed with mango, pineapple, and guava. So hmm. comes in at 5.2 ABV, and it does not have an IBU listing either. So Cool. Well... Did you find what you were looking for? Yeah, the, this uh, in the Wicked, words of you too. Wicked Weed is the brewery that does the uh, Five Stripes IPA for uh, Atlanta United. Nice, cool. So, and I really enjoyed that IPA. That was really good. So I'm kind of excited to see with how this one compares. Sweet. Well, there's only one way to find out how good they are, and that's to turn them up and drink them. Let's do it. Bottoms up. Cheers. Is your glass cold? Um, not as cold as it normally is. Okay. I didn't even have a, I didn't even have a glass in the freezer tonight, so this is just oh, like dude. one straight from the cabinet. 
So, th- so I'm just going to say something here before we talk about these beers. I watched this thing on TikTok this week about the proper way to pour a beer. Mm-hmm. And so this guy shows, he, he basically pours one really easy so that you get no foam, no head. Um, and then he pours another one. He basically just pours it in the glass and, it, and it's real foamy and it settles down. And he's able to finish it off. But what he did is he says, think, he, he grabs two napkins. He says, think of your stomach as this napkin. And, and this is what happens when beer hits your stomach. And mm-hmm. he was making the point of what happens uh, or why you feel bloated after you drink beer. So he sticks the one, uh, he sticks them in there both at the same time. The one that he poured really rough, that that the head had done, it had built and then gone back down, didn't foam hardly at all. It foamed a little bit, but the one that he poured really smooth and had very little head, like foamed up and spilled all over the glass. Hmm. And I was like, that's really interesting. I had never thought about like when you ex- when you pour beer and that and now that I think about it though. That's what makes draft beer so much better because when it comes out of the tap, mm-hmm. it has more like it circulates more in the in the cup, and that's why you get more more head out of it. But the reason for that is so that you don't get all of the carbonation all at one time in your stomach, right? Because when you put the beer in your stomach, that's when it starts to foam up. I huh. thought it was kind of crazy. That's interesting. So there's your beer fact for the week. Maybe that's something we'll start doing. In it took us 100 episodes. Episodes, 101 episodes to get that. but <laughs> To get a beer fact of the week. But I tried to pour this one a little bit a little bit harder just so it would do it, and I don't think I still don't think I did a good job of it. You would think it. two guys who from the beginning have been like self, self-admittedly, there it is. You would think two guys who have been self-admittedly, we don't know a lot about beer, would have found some kind of fact to bring to the podcast each week. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. Sorry. We're, we're terrible. Um, we're not terrible. We're just got other things going on. <laughs> I don't know. So if how's I, your beer, man? It's really good. Um, as far as IPAs go, it's not a five Luther IPA, but it's citrusy. Um, mm-hmm. Not. It's not terribly bitter at all. Um, okay. It's got a little bit of bite, but it's not like, oh my gosh, I, I can't take this. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of your run of the mill IPA, as far as I can tell. Um, you're going to give it. I know what you're going to give it. I'm going to give it... Mm, I want to, but I don't know if I can even go that high. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give it three and a half Luthers. I knew that's what you were going to give it. <laughs> I think you would have said like, that. Don't you go to four on me. Don't you do it. <laughs> don't you do it. No, it's pretty good. It's just, you know, kind of not an indictment on Wicked Weed at all. Just... I mean, to me, there's not anything particularly special about this one. I mean, yeah, good flavor, good texture, not terribly bitter, but mm-hmm. other than that, it's just kind of average-ish IPA. Yeah. yeah. How about yours? What's going on? It's uh, it's good. It is. It's a little more. It's not like tart, but it's almost. It's almost sour. Okay. It's and and I I realized like tart and sour are basically the same thing, but. I mean, so when I think tart, I think like oranges and apples and like that. That to me, Granny Smith apples are tart. Mm-hmm. They're not sour, but uh, lemons are sour. See, I haven't. I have a. I would include like raspberries as tart. Tart, yeah. Raspberries are tart. Raspberries, blackberries. The the trim tab from a couple of weeks ago. That thing was good. 
It was it good. It was tart. It was very tart. I liked it. Um, um, so this one has a little bit more tart than I am used to and that I kind of like as a preference. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but I think the tartness kind of covers up some of the flavor. Or maybe, and because they use pineapple, pineapple is very, like, sour to me. Even though I like pineapple, I can't eat a lot of it. Um, I, it may be the pineapple kind of mixed with some of the other stuff that's doing it, but it's just a little, it's a little bit off. It's good, but it's a little bit off. And so for me, I'm going to come in at three and a half Luthers on this thing too. It's good, but it's not great. It's... Um, my wife had it. She said she liked it, so I'm going to let her drink the rest of them. Hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a good beer. It's definitely a summertime beer. I can see where they're they are promoting this. Even the can looks like, you know, it looks like a summertime beer. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were, you know, 100 degrees outside, I would probably enjoy this a little more than I am right now. Um, but, but it's, I mean, it's an, it's okay. It's good. It's not great. And so that's uh, that's going to make me give it a three and a half Luther rating as well. So Wicked Weed coming in twice with three and a half. It's not terrible. Uh, maybe we'll find some more of your stuff because the the store I went to actually had several different Wicked Weeds. So hmm. I just I'm, looked I'm out. I went, I went to the store by the house and uh, they happened to have another Wicked Weed. And I was like, well, if I can't find the one that you got, I can at least get one from the same brewery. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. There's uh, there's Wicked Weed Fresh Pressed and Appalachia. Did I say that right? I think so. Appalachia. Um, both getting three and a half Luthers uh, from us. And so if you sounds like something you'd be interested in, go take a go take a drink and enjoy it, and let us know what you think about them. Let you know. Uh, let us know if we're wrong on that. If if you think it's a five Luther beer, by all means, let us know. But now we're gonna dive into. Uh, our study of lamentations we've kind of been setting it up for four weeks now and we are going to get into lamentations chapter one i think it's going to be a good time so stick around and we will be right back We're back. Anthony and I um, hope that you have stuck around with us. Um, if you knew all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of the podcast, um, just full disclosure. We should, we should pierce behind the veil for a second. We should. We should totally do that. Yeah, so so full, full disclosure, um, we recorded our beer review on Thursday night. On our typical night, on which is t- Thursday. We typically record the, entire, the entirety of an episode on Thursday. But then we started running into some technical issues that we could not resolve, and so now we have come back on Friday. So we did the beer review yesterday. Yes. And we are doing the our Bible discussion on Friday. On Friday. So. Um, Fun times. Yeah. it's <laughs> We're just pulling the veil back a little bit, letting you guys see <laughs> the man behind the green curtain. So... Um, what we were trying to do last night is to begin our study in the Book of Lamentations, um, and we we almost had to lament last night because it was it, it just was not working. I don't know what was wrong, but it just wasn't working. So man, Satan's in technology, man. 
Satan made me do it. <laughs> Satan wouldn't let us do it. It's more like it. Or is it? Is it Dana Harvey? Could it be Satan? <laughs> oh man! So, so we're back. We're gonna give this another go. Um, and uh, we're definitely gonna talk about limitations tonight for sure. Yeah, we are because we don't have a beer review because we did that already. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So if you have your Bible, uh, we're gonna start in Lamentations. Um, We're going to read a good chunk of Lamentations 1 tonight. We're not going to read all of it, um, mainly because it's a little long, but we want to hit kind of setting up Lamentations 1 and the conclusion of Lamentations 1. Um, And then we'll get into some background of Lamentations and talk about uh, what we read tonight. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to the book of Lamentations, chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 1, and I am going to go down to verse... 7 through verse 7, and then I'll pick up again in verse 18. So, uh, verse 1, Lamentations 1, I'm reading from the Holy Christian Standard. This is what the Lord says, or the Word says. We'll get into that in a second. (laughs) So, uh, here we go. How she sits alone, the city once crowded with people. She who is great among the nations has become like a widow. The princess among the promises has been put to forced labor. She sweeps, al- she weeps aloud during the night with tears on her cheeks. There is no one to offer her comfort, not one from all her lovers. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile following affliction and harsh slavery. She lives among the nations but finds no place to rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in narrow places. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the appointed festivals. All her gates are deserted. Her priests groan, her young women grieve, and her and she herself is bitter. Her adversaries have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease, for the Lord has made her suffer because of her many transgressions. Her children have gone away as captives before the adversary. All her splendor has vanished from daughter Zion. Her leaders are like stags that find no pasture. They walk away exhausted before the hunter. During the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious belongings that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into the adversary's hand, she had no one to help. The adversaries looked at her, laughing over her downfall. Now we're going to skip down to verse number 18 here, and finish out the rest of the chapter. The Lord is just, for I have rebelled against his command. Listen, all you people, look at my pain. My young men and women have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they betrayed me. My priests and elders perished in the city while searching for food to keep themselves alive. Lord, see how I am in distress. I am churning within, my heart is broken, for I have been very rebellious. Outside the sword takes the children, inside there is death. People have heard me groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard heard of my misfortune. They are glad that you have caused it. Bring on the day you have announced, so that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you, and deal with them as you dealt with me. Because of all my transgressions, for my groans are many, and I am sick at heart. Yikes. 
There's a lot going on here. <laughs> there is a lot going on here. So the Book of Lamentations is really a unique book um, because it is it is think I, I like to think of the Book of Lamentations as like a condensed version of Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about like a third of the Psalms being uh, lament Psalms, and and we know that Psalms are kind of like they're songs. They're these poetic. Um, songs that that the writer would would you know sing to God and that's really what what lamentations is but instead of being like songs this is more like I always think of when when we when you talk about poetry I always think about like the spoken word people who do the I forget what it's called but it's like, like the poet, hip-hop poetry like, like poetry jams yeah yeah those like I think about the the author of lamentations I believe it's Jeremiah there's people who disagree with me um it's okay for them to be wrong it's fine um, but but I think of the Book of Lamentations as like this guy who's getting up there and he's he's really speaking from the heart, but it's almost this this poetic like rap like thing mm-hmm. that's going on if we we're yeah. talking about it in modern days. And so it's five individual chapters. Um, each chapter is its own type of lament. They don't really follow a chronology. They don't really follow a specific story other than the fact that they are all lamenting the downfall of Jerusalem. Right. They're, they're not and all so, like, they're not linked together in any way. It doesn't no. like flow chapter one to chapter two to chapter three. No. Um, and, and maybe the reason for that, and I know you, you believe that Jeremiah is the author. Mm-hmm. I don't have any reason not to believe that. I just know that <laughs> some scholars think that he is and some but more modern scholars would say that each chapter was written by a different poet, yes. um, which would lead more to the reason for why the five are um, related but disjointed. Yes. As far as thematically they're not, except for yeah. the all being about the downfall of Jerusalem, Yeah, they don't cohesively go together. Well, and it's, I mean, I will, in all fairness, I will say that it's entirely possible that Jeremiah has friends and Jeremiah is talking about that. I mean, it's 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 entirely possible for a guy to have friends and all of them come together and write this. I, that is that is something that I will grant. Um, and so, but I just I think the flow leads to more of a Jeremiah like he's the lead guy who's kind of spurring all this on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I I mean I could see any of that. And no matter what view you take on the authorship of Lamentations, what we all agree on is that this is the word of God and it's given for what for our second Timothy three says instruction, rebuke, correction. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. And so what can we learn from this? What can we glean from lamentations so that we can understand the context of lamentations and how that comes out of Jeremiah? Because if you, if you really read lamentations all the way through, you'll understand like go back and read Jeremiah 52 and then read lamentations. You'll, you'll really understand where this lament is coming from, why it's about Jerusalem, why it's about the destruction of Jerusalem. Because chapter 52 details uh, the destruction. I mean, it details Babylon coming in and just laying waste to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And then you start, you open up uh, chapter 1 of Lamentations, and it says, how lonely is the city that was full of people. Mm. I mean, this is a desolate, destroyed place. Um, it feels like you're in a in a time where God is not speaking. Um, you're you're just in this valley, 
of despair and and you don't know where to turn. And so what you get from these chapters of lamentations of lament is that God is going to continue to work throughout the book. Um, the authors will continue to make clear that the city and even even the author himself have sinned against God. Mm-hmm. And, and God is responding to this. Even though the author doesn't blame God, God is responding to this, and he's saying, this is why you're in this situation, and it's right to lament, and then we're going to, we're going to turn this around yeah. in the end. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see my mercy in the end. Yeah. You know, Mark Brogrop said, you know, we, we use Mark Brogrop's book, uh, Dark mm-hmm. Clouds, Deep Mercy, to kind of lay the foundation for the study through Lamentations and what it means to biblically lament. Um, yeah. Mark said that lament can return our hearts to what's really important. It can invite us to consider what lies underneath our lives, yeah. which is what really matters. That's right. Um, I mean, that really shows in Mark's story. I mean, he, the, him and his wife went through maybe the most challenging thing you could imagine, you know, oh, or yeah. one of the more challenging things you can imagine. And they learn how to, lament and grieve mm-hmm. but still honor God still accept it as part of God's plan it doesn't yeah. mean it's easy yeah it doesn't mean that it's something that you're just going to automatically accept but it can be done and and yes. at the end of the day the action of lament can keep us focused on the most important thing which is mm-hmm. Jesus that's right so so that that's a little bit of a background kind of leading into Lamentations and and we've talked about Mark's book and we definitely used um, his um, the first kind of introductory chapters of his book. We're going to continue to use Mark's book, but we're going to lean more into the text of Lamentations um, as we walk through this study and and we're going to focus more on what Lamentations actually says and and we will we will pull stuff from Mark's book you'll hear it throughout um, mm-hmm. if you're following along and we want you to continue to follow along and uh, we're posting with each episode uh, links to a couple of books that we are going to use one of them is Mark's book and then the other one is the Christ-centered expositional uh, series uh, we're going to use the Lamentations notes from those uh, from that series there so that commentary so we're going to draw from some other stuff but that'll be kind of our main two primary sources that we're pulling from to talk about the book of Lamentations. And so let's just, let's dive into Lamentations 1. Um, this this chapter, I think you can break it down into three distinct sections. We read the first section and kind of part of the last section. The first section is, is really talking about the state of Jerusalem. Um, it describes, you heard it describe what, what Jerusalem was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second section talks about the sin of Jerusalem. Um, how they were broken by their sin, and then the third and final section talks about the consequences of those sins. And so as we break down this first chapter of Lamentations, um, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the state of Jerusalem. We're going to talk about being broken by sin. And then we're going to talk about the consequences of our sin and, and mm-hmm. what that means for us as believers. Yeah. Um, so so let's dive into this. The opening of Lamentations is a, is a it's a piercing reminder. I mean, it really, if you read it, and take it to heart. It is piercing to your soul mm-hmm. that nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Um, I think it was James uh, in James chapter four. He says we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, le- this is this James is echoing a lot of, of lamentations when he's talking about that because we don't. I mean, Jerusalem was was 
thought they were the the stuff and they were worshiping their own idols and they were doing their own thing. And then God comes in with Babylon and he warned them over and over and over again. If you read the book of Jeremiah over and over again, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy you. Then Jeremiah 52, bam, they're destroyed. Now we're in lamentations. Yeah. And so we have this opening that says nothing lasts forever. Um, and we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Um, and that really kind of sets up the first verse of, of Lamentations, which is how lonely sits the city that was full of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on the state of Jerusalem here as we come into Lamentations chapter 1? I mean, I think of it as like a, you think of like a bustling city. It'd be like if Atlanta, for example, yeah. if the entire city burned down. It'd be like The Walking Dead. It'd be like The Walking Dead, <laughs> like like you have or or think of like I Am Legend, like the movie I Am yes. Legend with Will Smith. He is all you, there'd be like one guy left in the city, mm-hmm. walking around talking to mannequins, and his only <laughs> friend is his dog. Like, and, but you know it's it's really a I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like. How could you possibly imagine, like, Jerusalem, which is this big, prosperous city before Babylon and, you know, destroys it? Yeah. And they're constantly reminded over or constantly told over and over again, get right, get right, get right. Mm -hmm. They don't get right. And God says, all right, well, here you go. (laughs) And, And, I mean... Your version says how lonely sits the city that was full of people. Um, mine says how she sits alone, the city yeah. once crowded with people. She yeah. who is great among the nations has become like a widow. Mm-hmm. You just think about like the pain that a widow goes through. Oh, or yeah. like it, you know, you may have and that's the thing, like there may be other cities around, but Jerusalem is alone. Mm-hmm. totally alone and you know you use that the metaphor of a widow like there may be other people around but at the end of the day the widow's sleeping alone in her bed oh you yeah know, the in you know still covered in grief still still overtaken yeah. by grief um this once proud city is reduced to nothing yeah and and, and whoever the writer is jeremiah or whatever um He's obviously heartbroken over that because he yeah. he knew the the warnings that God had laid out, and he knew that God was true to His word that if they didn't do yeah. what He said, what you know what, what God was telling them to do, that this was going to happen. And lo and behold, here we are. Yeah, it's you know you you get these words. Um, you know, she weeps bitterly in the night. Verse two, Judah has gone into exile. Verse three. Um, the roads of Zion, or the roads to Zion, mourn. Verse four. I mean, these this type of language is expressing a pain, mm-hmm. and and you know that that's what a widow experiences is is pain because pain. Uh, I think Mark words it this way: pain is the triumph of the enemy, or mm-hmm. at least it feels like the triumph of the enemy. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's it's like. God didn't intervene in my in my situation. You know, you're you're praying for that loved one who has cancer or that person who needed healing and they they didn't get physical healing. But we understand pain differently because 
as a as a Christian and as a believer, we have to trust. We have to put our trust in God, mm-hmm. which is which is what we're going to see at the end of this this chapter. But you know, in the moment, that pain really feels like you're losing. Yeah, and and it feels like something else has triumphed over you. Yeah, and that helps us get to a biblical understanding of. Uh, we we've talked about it on the podcast before, but a problem of evil or a problem the 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 theology of suffering. Yeah. And so, um, you know, walk us through. Talk. Let's talk through a little bit about this problem of evil or the theology of suffering. All right. So to have an, a biblical understanding of the problem of evil or this idea of the theology of suffering, mm-hmm. um, to understand that it's central to it's central to understand how lament or the process of lament that we've talked about works in the lives of believers. Um, Mark said that uh, lament is expressed. uh, Mark Vrogrop, not like the gospel writer, Mark, we're going to have to, we're going to have to verify (laughs) those Um, for the record. Unless we say the gospel writer, Mark, we mean Mark Vrogrop. So (laughs) throwing that out there. Marky V. um, No, Mark Vrogrop said that lament is expressed even though the tension remains. It turns to God in prayer, vocalizes the complaint, asks boldly, and chooses to trust while uncertainty hangs in the air. So this theology of suffering idea is you may be going through pain. You may be experiencing a time of grief. You may be um, struggling to understand the circumstances around you, Mm -hmm. um, but learning how to lament um, helps you process what you're going through without losing your focus on why you're going through it. And yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, anything we face, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast too. I feel like a lot of our themes are going to repeat in the next few <laughs> weeks, but that's okay. <laughs> but anything that you go through, good or bad, is for your good and yeah. more importantly, for the glory of God. And so – you know, as as hard as it's as hard as this is to hear, you take something tragic like nine eleven. Nine eleven was for the good of people and for the glory of God. It was. That and is that is like we're probably gonna get like red flag for that. We probably are. We're gonna get the red flag <laughs> thing on Twitter. But but really the government's but, listening into yeah, us right now. No, but but think of like how crazy is it to think that something that is absolutely tragic and absolutely yeah. evil carried out by evil men, God allowed that to happen so that his yeah. glory could reign. Yeah. It's, you know, we, we have gotten this idea, and, and really it's been perpetuated by, by Americanism and what— what the Western idea, not not necessarily the European, but the Western American idea mm-hmm. of success looks like. Yeah, like you know, we've we've attached ourselves to this prosperity type gospel. This nothing can go wrong, and if it does go wrong, you're doing something wrong, and you're yeah. sinning. Or, you know, we we've attached ourselves to that, and and to the detriment of the church, we have embraced it. Yeah. And and really and truly, I mean, America is exporting this bull crap. Yeah. And Ooh, that's um, that's I, harsh <laughs> language there, bud. I almost said something different, but I I was able to control my tongue there for a second. <laughs> but I mean, it's I, I can't think of of better words to describe 
what America is exporting to foreign countries other than bullcrap. I mean, right. I can think of other words, but I'm not going to say them on this podcast. Um, because we are peddling this idea that when you come to Christ, everything is hunky-dory and everything is flowers and petals and rays of sunshine. And that could not be further from the truth of the narrative of Scripture, the story of the Bible, the story of God's chosen people, the story of Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think that the prosperity gospel holds any truth at all, read the Gospels, and you will see Jesus. I mean, yes, he has ups, but holy cow, the the man dies on a cross. Mm Mm-hmm. And he dies on a cross as an innocent person who did not deserve to die. And he does it willingly so that you and I can be united to the Father as one and we can have salvation in his name. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, it's- I, I feel I feel that too much of the Western of the American church. Let's be real. The American church, not just the mm-hmm. Western church, but the American yeah. church. I feel like that too much of our joy is found in our circumstances. Yes. And then when the circumstances go sideways, we get all down or upset or frustrated or mad at God yes. or whatever. When at the when instead of looking at it as, you know what? This sucks, but this is an opportunity for me to grow in my walk with Jesus and to glorify God at the same time. Yes. And I'm yes. going through it for a purpose. If we looked yes. at everything that we're going through as I'm going through this for a purpose, and not just a purpose for myself, but a per- it's there's eternal purpose. There's purpose yeah. for the people around me. Yeah. If I if we looked at everything we're going through through that lens, I feel like we would have much more merit when we tried yeah. to share the gospel with people. Yeah. If if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, quit looking for your purpose and realize your purpose from what Scripture tells you is your purpose. Mm-hmm. Stop looking for joy in this world and joy in material things and joy in things that you can find in this world and look for your joy and contentment in Christ. That's what Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we joke and we say, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. But I I love that that's the most taken out of context verse in all of Scripture anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just read this. Follow the story that we're in right now. In, Jer- in Jeremiah 52, Babylon absolutely decimates Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Think, I mean, let's put this into comparison. This is uh, the United States dropping an atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. This is equivalent to that. It is absolute and total destruction and desolation, and that is where Jus- Jerusalem finds themselves, and that's where the author of Lamentations finds themselves. And so when you find yourself in that type of destruction, you can't help but say, what is what has caused this destruction? And that's where the second part of, Jeru- of this, uh, this first book turns into, or this first chapter turns to. It, it clearly says that the sin of Jerusalem mm. is what has caused this, this destruction and this desolation. Read, yeah. read chapter, or I'm sorry, read verse 8 for us, because yeah. you, you stopped at verse 7, but read verse 8 because... It lays this out perfectly. Yeah, so verse 8 says, Jerusalem has sinned grievously, therefore she has become an object of scorn. 
all who honored her now despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns away. I mean, this language right here is basically like you. you we kind of joked about like pulling back the curtain on our podcast at the, yeah. at the onset of this segment. <laughs> like the writer of Lamentations has ripped the curtain off the wall and yeah. thrown it in the trash and said, "Here's Jerusalem." There you go. <laughs> and this is this is why, I mean, and the reason for the shame there. Um, yeah. But more more so than that, like, just think of the language here. Um, Jerusalem has sinned grievously. Her uncleanness stains her skirts. The adversary has seized all her precious belongings. I'm skipping around a little bit here. Yeah. All her people groan while they search for bread. Is this nothing to you, all you who pass by? Um, he sent fire from heaven into my bones. My transgressions have been like all of, all of this language here is the writer heartbroken, yeah, over the destruction of Jerusalem, yeah. and and he is putting pen to paper, showing one how heartbroken he is over what has happened because it could have been prevented, but also two, he is revealing really what the problem really is, and it's not. Yeah. It's not just rebellion. It's not just the unwillingness to listen to warnings. It's it's not even like they got too big for their britches or anything. But it's sin. Yeah. It's just the sin of the nation and the and the sin of the city has caused this destruction. Yeah. Um. You know, God, God has said that He will never leave us or forsake us. Yeah. Paul Paul wrote that. Paul wrote that in Romans. Yep, Romans eight. Paul. So, 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 God will never leave us or forsake us. But that doesn't mean He's just going to remove all adversity from our lives. And that gets back to what we were talking about before. Like the Christian walk is not this sunshine and rainbows yeah. experience. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you're going through stuff. Yeah, and sometimes it's not any. It's not. It, it's not necessarily you're doing. Sometimes it is your own choices and your own fault. Yeah. But sometimes it's just it's just life. And yeah. It's, well, you know, it's it really dives into the difference between justification and sanctification. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, justification is is our immediate declaring of not guilty before God. That that's we are declared not guilty because of the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. But even though justification removes our eternal consequences of our sin, you know, we will spend eternity in heaven with Christ Mm -hmm. and with God. So it removes that aspect of it, but it does not remove the temporal consequences of our sin. And, And I think that's where a lot of, especially American Christians, get it wrong. We think that, you know, we have this antinomianism view that... Once I'm a Christian, then I don't have to everything's under grace and I can do whatever I want to and that's that's a complete false understanding of what scripture teaches. Yeah. You know, Paul says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, this is not an easy process. And that's what the process of sanctification is. Is it saying, man, I messed this up and I got to I've got to do better next time. Right. But but just because you messed it up doesn't mean that the consequences of what you messed up are are not going to to follow you. You know, I, I'll give an example. Okay, 
let's say that you that you mess up and you get convicted of some type of sexual crime in the eyes of the state. Okay, if that happens to you, you have to register as a sex offender, and then whatever wherever you move from the time that you're convicted of that sin of that crime, everybody in your community is going to be notified about your crime that you were convicted of, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'll give a perfect example. I received one of those letters in the mail this week. Oh, dang. And and I see a person, and they, I mean, they send me a picture of the person. They tell me the person's address. This, I mean, this is, this is legit. He, and this happened in 1999. That was 22 years ago. But mm. because he moved somewhere in proximity to me, I get a letter notifying me that he's in this certain proximity to me. Wow. That follows him and, forever. And mm-hmm. Forever. And that's, I mean, is it possible that this guy has been reformed and changed and he's living a completely different... Absolutely that's possible. And I pray that that's possible in, in this guy's life. I don't, I don't even know this guy. I've never met him, but I get this letter in the mail about him. And so he's dealing with the consequences of his sin... And I pray that he's he's in the last twenty two years he's turned his life over to Christ and he's living a different life now. Mm-hmm. I pray that about him. But the reality is that this sin that he committed in nineteen ninety nine is still following him around. Right. And so we can't be so naive to think that just because we mess up that God's gonna like magically erase it from from the the you know, the records of history and it's gonna be as if it never happened. Yes, God does cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, as far as his perspective is concerned. But we have to remember that we still live in a broken world and that the consequences of our sin are sometimes the burden that we have to carry. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, we still make mistakes and we have to live with those mistakes and we have to own those mistakes. And yeah. and honestly, that's part of being a Christian. Mm-hmm. saying, man, I really messed this up, and I'm living with those consequences, and I want to help you, disciple, understand where I messed up so that you can be better than I was. Yeah. That's really where discipleship kicks in. Yep. And so if if anything we can learn from the brokenness of Jerusalem and the brokenness of the sin of Jerusalem is that we need to own our sin, not run from it, not hide from it, but own it and say, man, I really did mess that up. And I'm living with those consequences, but let me tell you about the grace that God offers. Let me tell you about mm-hmm. the mercy that God offers in his yeah. son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What a testimony to the gospel right there. Yeah. You know? Mm. So we talk Ooh. about being broken. I know. <laughs> that'll preach. <laughs> Easy. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> to preach right there, but man, that'll preach. So we talk about the brokenness of our sin, mm-hmm. and we and we really just started to hint on this. Now we're going to walk into the end of this chapter. We're going to walk into the consequences of our sin. Yeah. But we're going to talk, and I, I really want to focus on this. Let's talk about how the consequences of our sin lead us to do what Mark talked about at the beginning of this book, which is to trust and then to complain and then to ask and then to trust again. You know, I'm sorry, yeah. turn. We turn, then we complain, then we ask, then we trust. I'm yeah. going to get this right one day. <laughs> By the end of this this thing, I'll, we'll, we'll get this right. So we walk into verse 15, and, and verses 15 through 17 really paint a bleak picture of Jerusalem. Yeah. But then, and this is where you picked up, and that's where I, I, I want you to talk about this. You picked up in verse 18, and 18 really begins to 
change the perspective. Yeah. So let's go from there. Let's go from there. Okay, so verse 18. Yeah, the perspective starts to change. It goes from the... I mean, he's really complaining in verses 15 through 17. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord, Verse 15, the Lord has rejected all the mighty men within me. Uh, verse 16, I weep because of these things. My eyes flow with tears. 17, Zion stretches out her hands. There is no one to comfort her. The Lord has issued a decree against Jacob that his neighbors should be his adversaries. But then in verse 18, it changes from this complaint to it's like this hybrid ask trust kind of thing. Yes. And the writer of Lamentations here is laying out kind of the qualities of God, like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um, Verse 18, the Lord is just, for I have rebelled against his command. The writer here is recognizing his own sin. Mm -hmm. He is trusting that God is still just, even though he rebelled against, the writer rebelled against God's command. Um, and verses 20 through 22 lay out the whole process of mm-hmm. turn, complain, ask, and trust. Yeah. Um, in verse 20, we see that they turn, look, O Lord, for I am in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 21, we see complain. They heard my groaning, yet there was no one to comfort me. Yes. In verse 22, we see ask. Um, where he says, let their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me. And then there are three verses that ask God to act or – and then as far as trust goes – sorry, got tongue-tied there. Um, (laughs) As far as trust goes, there are three verses that ask God to act according to his character. um, And that shows that the trust – that shows the trust that the writer has in God. And so really, I mean it's almost like Mark Vrogrop cherry pick these four ver- three three or four verses out <laughs> and use them as his foundation for what lament means but it yeah. it really is and that this is yeah. the whole process uh you're seeing it played out yeah here in lamentations 1 yeah if you i mean if you want to see an example of everything that mark laid out these three verses don't get any better um you i mean you you described it perfectly if we if we don't turn to God, if we don't complain to God, which is what the writer does, if we don't ask God and we don't trust God, we haven't walked through this process of mm-hmm. lament. And so we see, I mean, you see that right here in these three verses. And there's no, there's no better way for Christians to understand what this process looks like than to look at these three verses and see how these three verses can apply to your life. How can you turn to God. How can you look at God and say, I am in distress. You know, hear hear the groans of my heart. These this is what I'm I'm groaning about. This I'm complaining about this. Mm-hmm. You know, never once does God say, don't bring your complaints to me because I don't want to hear them. Right. You know, but but somehow we've gotten to this point where we think that we have to like put ourselves completely together and then go to God and be like, God we're so blessed and so wonderful. Sometimes God just wants to hear you go, God, my life sucks. This sucks and this sucks and this sucks. And and that's, I mean, what you're talking about, like the whole get it all together thing is a very American church idea. If you go, if you've done any travel abroad, if you've done any work with churches outside of the United States, yeah, people showing up that don't have it all together. 
No. And they are more than they're more than welcome. And I want to be very careful by saying this because I don't want to throw an entire potential or particular denomination under the bus. But I wonder if the SBC <laughs> has Do it. A, Just throw them under the bus. I don't Here we go. So <laughs> The the can is open. So like, but think about it. Like, I love the SBC. I love my SBC brothers. I love. There are people that I care about deeply that are mm-hmm. parts of SBC churches. But now that I'm in a non-SBC church, I don't get that. Yeah. I don't see that. You've got to have it all together before yeah. we'll even talk to you. Thing. I don't know if that's this part of this discussion or not, but if. There so, it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this out there since we're since we're throwing people under the bus. Do it. Go. If if your church prizes themselves on their authenticity, yet they don't act authentically, then you might want to rethink the church that you're at. Because I just I mean I've been in too many churches where all they talk about is. We're real, we're raw, we're authentic. Yet all I hear from people is, did you hear what that person did? Did you hear what they did? Did you, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. If if that is the backbone of your church, get the hell out of there. Woo! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm being honest tonight because... It's it's ridiculous what we have built churches into. It's ridiculous what we have said is is authentic and it's not. It's it's nothing more than putting on a different type of mask to cover what you're actually going through. Mm. If you can't be honest with somebody in your church and that person still love you, they are not authentic and they don't love you. Period. End of story. Sorry, that rant's over. <laughs> All right, so let's hit some take-home thoughts tonight. I, I, that that just that came, when you said that it it, it came to and it I must was, have lit, you were that was I mean but here's the thing okay so here's the thing if we can't have these authentic conversations if we can't have these real conversations without fear of retribution from retru- somebody else yeah if we if are getting you know called out for being whatever. Then something needs to be addressed. You're not authentic. Yeah. If you can't be called on your on your stuff, you're not authentic. Period. Yeah. So sorry. No. So I like this idea of take home thoughts. I think this may be something we want to we want to look at doing for every chapter here. Um. So really, there's two major take home thoughts from Lamentations chapter one. Yes. The first one is that sin brings ruin. Um. Look at what happened to Jerusalem. In at the end of Jeremiah and mm-hmm. what the beginning of Lamentations one is describing, yeah. um, and and you see that sin brings ruin. Underneath the destruction of Jerusalem, every pain and all of our pains is the real problem, which is sin. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing, um, the second take home thought we've got here tonight is that suffering brings clarity. Yeah. Um, you know, God allows suffering as a corrective discipline not always sometimes suffering is not corrective um, sometimes your suffering or your discipline is instructive but 
suffering bringing clarity means it could be either or. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, you may ask yourself, so which is it? Is it is, is my suffering instructive or is it corrective or is like, which is it? Or is it dis- yeah. you know, which is it? And at the end of the day, it's not answerable yeah. and it doesn't matter. Yes. Um, what and, can you learn is the is whether it's learning a corrective lesson or mm-hmm. is it learning an instructive lesson? Whichever one yeah. it is, what are you going to learn? Yeah, from this. Yeah, period. And, and really, the main question maybe we we were asking here is is this trial that I'm going through a result of my own personal disobedience? Yeah, or is it simply God instructing me? That's the question that's really not answerable. Yeah. Um. So, and but but think about this like. Our success in a trial is not depending dependent on, and this is funny because we've been talking about behind the veil a lot tonight. Our success in the trial is not dependent on our knowing what's going on behind yeah. the veil. It's not dependent on all the stuff that God's got. He's already working together. He may be. He yeah. may be prep. You may be going through a trial now to be able to be able to speak into someone's life 10, 15, 20 years from now who goes through the same trial. Yep. And I, I have been in that situation where you learn something, and then five years later you meet somebody who's going through the same thing that you went through, mm-hmm. and you say, "Hey, man, let me tell you what I learned. Yeah, let me tell you these things that God taught me. Yeah. So, so that concludes our uh, discussion in Lamentations chapter one, and uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Our first uh, venture into the book of Lamentations. It's gonna um, be a good book. It's gonna be good. I've enjoyed the discussion tonight. Um, hopefully we get uh, it all down down to one night instead of <laughs> having to stretch it over two. When I told my You're wife wrong. when I told my wife that we were recording tonight, she kind of looked at me like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so all's good. Yeah. Um, so it happens. It does, but technology techno- fails. Technology is your favorite thing. <laughs> That's it. That it is. So. Well, Michael, if they want to find us on social media platforms, where would they find us? If you want to find the Beers and Bible Podcast on any of your favorite social media platforms that we are on, um, you can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can follow us on Facebook by searching for Beers and Bible Podcast. You can email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website, beersandbiblepodcast.com. Um, Swag, pick up gear. some, Pick up some B&B merch and support the podcast that way. Show your support and uh, share the podcast with your friends in a new and different way. So, um, again, thank you for che- checking us out. And uh, we look forward to continuing the study and lamentations. I'm excited about the next few weeks. It's going to be a fun time. So, until next week. We hope that your Bible stays open and your beer stays cold, and we will see you later. Peace.